Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe, with my other partner over there, Angel. How's it going? Thank you for joining us. It is Monday, episode 95. Um, the Astros, decent outing in Seattle, I would say, but it was a tough series overall. Seattle Mariners are going to be a good team this year as well. I, I could see them as a wild card team or even possibly the number one team in the AL West. That's going to give the Astros a little bit of run for their money. But we'll talk about that in here in a little bit. Give us our shout outs, offensive MVP, pitching MVP, hot takes as well. And then go around the league. But Angel, before we get all of this started, just give me that one word to describe this series in Seattle against the, the Mariners. I would say unfortunate. I believe those first two games, um, we won the first one, but I think the Astros were so close to winning the second one. It was um, the bullpen came in and couldn't get the outs. You know, I, I think we did everything possible to win that game. It was just a late inning run by the Mariners. And then we met um, Midler in the third game, and he was pretty lights out in his second career start. So it's unfortunate. I, I think we could have won that series easily because the Mariners have been struggling. But by losing this series, we're now tied with the Mariners at 17 and 17 for third place in the division. And the Angels are ahead by t by two games. They have 19 wins. And then the Texas Rangers were three and a half games back behind them. I mean, it's still a tight division, but it would have been pretty good to separate, like create some separation from the Mariners and um, be a little bit closer to that first place spot. But, you know, We'll have the Angels. Hopefully, we can turn things around there. Oh, hopefully, the Astros can turn things around there. Yeah, I mean, the second game, the Astros were leading 4-0 throughout the whole game until that eighth inning. It was horrendous. It was bad from the bullpen from Rafael Montero. And then you're handing the ball to Ryan Stanek, and Ryan Stanek just was trying to get an out, couldn't get an out as well. So very difficult part of that game to see, especially J.P. Franswell, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah, I mean, he pitched a really good game for the Astros. And then game three, you just got to tip your cap to Bryce Minner. I mean, he's the number one pitching prospect for the Mariners for a reason. Uh, he's also from Texas A&M University as well. He's a college uh, Texas boy. I don't know if he's actually from Texas, but, I mean, he did pitch in the state of Texas. And fun fact, he has the same birthday as me, August 23rd. Oh, wow. Literally the same year as me, too, 1998. So that was pretty interesting to see. But, yeah, you just tip your cap to Bryce Minner. He pitched a really good game against the Astros. The Astros, too, haven't seen Bryce Miller at all as he's a rookie. And the offense just wasn't there for them to support Brandon Bielek. So let's start off with our shout outs like we always do in the beginning of our segment. And my first shout out, Angel, is going to go to Kyle Tucker, okay. my offensive MVP. That was the guy right there. I think he did a pretty good job this overall this whole series. I mean, Friday night, three for four with a clutch two-run homer. Uh, he also made some hell of defensive play in right field, taking away. And, I mean, I don't know what the count was, but took – he made a good play into the outfield stands in foul territory and got the Astros out of that inning. Saturday night moves on one for three with an RBI single Sunday night, one for three with another RBI single and a walk. The difference maker here though. Do you know what it was though? What, what was it? It was the batting gloves. I mean, he was wearing <laughs> batting gloves this whole series. That's cold. I know it was cold. Long sleeves, of course. You know how the Pacific uh, Northwest is out there in Seattle and on the West Coast as well. It was the gloves. I mean, he even said it himself. He just needed to change a rhythm. Of course, when you're in the slump, you're going to do whatever you can to get out of a slump, try to do something different. 
you know, maybe wear batting gloves, maybe wear long sleeves, something that's going to get you out of this slump. And Tucker was in a slump. I've read you the numbers in his last seven games in our last episode. And right here, five for 10, that's, that's a 500 batting average this whole series. So tip my cap to him because he did a really good job for this Astros lineup and really the Astros offense overall this series. Definitely. Um, he was a good pick for you, you know, got you that, um, that one on your, on our MVP score. <laughs> um, but shout out to Brandon Belak. He had a pretty good outing four and two thirds of an innings, three runs two two earned and a walk. He pitched out of some tough situations. I feel like the Mariners had runners on every inning. I think it was about two. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot how much it was, but there was a, like a trend where they had at least two runners on every inning. Um, you know, what do you say? What did you say about that outing? I think he did a good outing. Um, of course, when you look at four and two thirds, uh, I, he gave up ten hits too as well. Two earned runs, a walk. He didn't strike out anybody, which is very surprising. I thought, you know, you at least collect one strikeout if you're one of the starting pitchers, but just didn't go that way. I think he just did everything he could to keep these, you know, keep the game as tight as it could be. I mean, 2-0 is not a bad outing from a starting pitcher. And for the offense to show up like the Astros, who have one of the best offenses in baseball, it's very tough on his end not to get any run support. And he's just doing everything he can in that starting rotation spot until, you know, Jose or Kitty could come back. Or if the Astros do make a move either to the farm system or at the trade deadline or the trade market as well, you know, you just tip your cap right there to him because he did a really good job uh, keeping the Astros in the game. He could be, he could just do so much too on his end, but the offense just didn't show up for him. Oh, for sure. And then shout out for Christian Javier as well. He had, he had a great outing on that Friday game. He had seven innings pitched. Three hits, three runs, all earned, two walks, and eight strikeouts. He it was that fastball slider combination, it was looking pretty good. He had the Mariners hitters on their toes all game, and we actually <laughs> they actually won that game. But shout out to Jordan Alvarez as well. He continues to give the Mariners nightmares. Went four for eleven, three sixty four batting average, one home run, four RBIs, and one walk. I think he was the difference maker on our Friday game, and. Mm-hmm. He and he could have been a difference maker in the other games, but it's just like having people on, like having yeah. runners on when he comes up to bat is, I feel like the difference in that Sunday game and in that Saturday game. It's just like those situational spots, and I feel like we just need to give Alvarez more opportunities to bring runs in. Yeah, I mean Dubon's been struggling a little bit. I know you have more to touch up on him later on through the show. Uh, Alex Bregman, uh, it's been rough for him. He went over four. Yeah this past Sunday's game, and it's just been a rough stretch for him. This is probably one of the worst stretches we've seen from Alex Bregman on the Astros side of it because he's always been one of those guys to get on base some way, somehow, which he is number two in the American lead in walks. But the hitting side of it, I mean, he's a really great hitter when it comes to being in tough situations for the Astros. So if he could get going, Mauricio Dubon, if, of course, you're not going to have that 20-game hitting streak again, but if you could have – some type of way of, you know, getting on either from a walk because he does have a great eye himself too. He has a low strikeout rate percentage as a hitter. So like you said, it's just tough when them, when the guys don't get on for Jordan to give him them opportunities to bring these guys in. But you've already said that last hitter, I'm going to go with another starting pitcher for my last shout out. And that guy is JP France. What an MLB debut from this guy. 
coming in for the Astros, of course, you're losing Jose Arquiti and Luis Garcia. I mean, what can the Astros do? They go their farm system and they go get this guy that looks like a he probably looks like a guy that could be at security guards or like an off-duty police cop. Great somewhere mustache. Because, yeah, that, that mustache is... I, man, we got to rate these mustaches. It's, it's like Spencer Strider and Andrew Chafin's mustache. I mean, it, it's up there. We're, we're going to do a top five stash list and going throughout some top, uh, you know, some way of the show. We'll, we'll talk about that. But Jonathan Patrick France, everybody. Five innings pitch, three hits, no earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. Surprisingly, the strikeouts came from his fastball. Two of them being the four seamer, one being a curve, and two come from the slider. I mean, his slider was working and cutting to that outside part of the plate. So, I mean, he's been waiting for an opportunity like that for a good while to come up through the system. I mean, he was PCO pitcher of the week in April for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Tip my cap to this guy because he he did a really great job for this Astros team. Unfortunately, he didn't get the win in that game, but I mean, it, it, I mean, it was a great performance to see from him. Oh, definitely, and I feel that's a really good um, first impression for sure. Because again, we're gonna have to uh, the Astros are gonna have to rely on him a lot, especially with the injuries that we're gonna talk about in a bit. And that was a good first impression. Like, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully that's what the Astros can expect on future games, especially against the Mariners. Like, if it was against the A's or, like, a team that's struggling, okay, you know, like, maybe, you know, the competition's not as great. But that lineup that the Mariners have, that's legit. And being able to do that, that's a great, again, great first impression. But we have a few Astros updates to give you all. As you may have heard, Luis Garcia is out for the season. When it's when it's an elbow injury, you know, yeah. we, we pray like the Astros and all the Astros fans and baseball fans like us, we pray for the best on any player, any team, um, when it comes to elbow. Because again, once you once you get that elbow pain, it's like your first thought's yeah. Tommy John, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what's going on, unfortunately. Um, Astros confirmed that Luis Garcia will need Tommy John surgery and is out for the remainder of the season. Usually, that's about uh, a, a year recovery plus. Um, um, plus, like a throwing routine, getting back rehab assignments. So we're probably looking at him maybe a week or two in the season of next year mm-hmm. if everything goes great. But on the bright side, we do have two outfitters that are coming back maybe this series. Maybe. Dusty uh, said Michael Brown and Chaz McCormick will likely join the Astros in Anaheim for the Angels series. He did uh, – Dana Brown did mention on the <clears throat> Astros pregame – sorry – on the Astros pregame radio that Chaz McCormick is a little ahead on Michael Brantley about a day or two. So we may see Chaz McCormick activated first and Michael Brantley. But once those guys come back, where do the, um, like, where do you see these guys playing once they come? I know Michael Brantley has been taking some first base um, practice, but what do you see them playing? Well, for Chaz, I'm going to start with him. Uh, he'll, he'll get some reps in center field. Jake Myers hasn't had a day off in a good while. So I could see, Chaz McCormick getting some reps over there. But, you know, the thing with Jake Myers right now, I mean, he is hitting the ball, dude. He is still hitting the ball. He looks really good at the play. Looks better than he was in the, you know, in the beginning of last April, now in May. I mean, even the ending of April, he was starting to hit the ball. But, you know, now it's a new month, and it just continues on. He's hitting good. So we'll, we'll probably see Chaz back in center as soon as he comes back. And then Michael Brantley, I want him to be in left. 
same thing as Jordan. Jordan really hasn't had a lot of off days. He's only had maybe one or two. I could be wrong. If you take away the IL stint, not the IL stint, but the day-to-day when he had that neck stiffness. But I think Michael Brantley will play first base. I really think so because Jose Abreu needs a break. Let's be honest. He's been on a he's been struggling for the Astros at the plate. Um, he he made a fielding error over there at first base as well, which a lot of fans weren't happy. But it, it's baseball. It happens. He m- might have been a bad hop on on his end as well. You just don't know how the dirt plays over there in Seattle. But it, it just looks like Jose Abreu just needs at least one or two days off because when you're playing every single day and you're in a slump, I mean, you're trying to figure out what you could do to get better. And then that small little sample size you have of that day, you're trying to figure out what you could do. You need a day to clear your mind. At least I say, as you know, we're, we're playing baseball growing up. You need a day at least to just clear your mind from things and just take a breather. And for Jose Bray right now, he hasn't had that time. You, you know, who, who's really our first base backup besides Jose Bray. You really don't have nobody. You're going to only have David Hensley, which Hensley, too, has been struggling at the plate big time. And Dusty's been trying to get him ways to, you know, get some some batting spots in the in the order, being in that DH role. But first base wise, we don't have nobody to back Abreu up. And, and honestly, it's going to be looking like Michael Brownlee because he'll give you some reps at first. And then plus his stick is going to be consistent. I so. agree with you 100 uh, percent. I would have said the same thing. We see Brantley at first. And even when Tucker's not on, um, having Chaz back gives him a breather as well because Myers, the Astros usually put him on center, but they don't really put him on the corners. But uh, Chaz can play right field, left field, and center. He's an all-around outfielder. So that gives Tucker a breather as well. And, again, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think it's also good for David Hensley He'll probably be demoted, but it gives yeah. him a chance to get his head right, get a feel more of those at Get some more reps, too, I'd yeah. say. Definitely, like especially for those uh, younger guys. And one of the Astros' all-time greatest players is on the verge of coming back. Jose Altuve is improving day-to-day. Astros took uh, – Jose Altuve took some batting practice at T-Mobile Park for the first time since his injury. Um, he was also taking ground balls and playing catch at Manary Park. And this is coming from Dana Brown on the Astros radio show on a possible rehab assignment for Altuve. He says, we're hopeful that it could be within a week or so, maybe, as long as he continues to progress, which is good news because the Astros <laughs> really need offensive work and having Jose Altuve as their table setter is really good to give, again, how we are just talking about, to give Jordan uh, those RBI opportunities. I mean, obviously, like he's not going to get on base every single time, but it increases our chances with him back. Yeah, I agree because I wouldn't rush it though. Like Dana Brown says, as long as he continues to progress well, that's all that matters. But if you're going to rush Jose Altuve, that's not going to be good on the other side of it. If you really think about that, and you know, just to add on too, I mean, you're getting Michael Brantley back soon, which it could be possibly this series against the Angels. You'll have Jose Altuve back if within a week or so, like Dana Brown said. I think Bregman's going to be happy. Alvarez is going to be happy. Abreu is going to be happy. All these guys that are like your powerhouse lineup of three, four, five, and six, they're going to be like, whew, well, it's a relief because we, like you were saying with Jordan getting some RBI chances, Bregman goes back a spot in that third hole, in the three hole. So I, I think it's good overall that Jose Altuve is hitting at, like he, he was hitting at T-Mobile Park. And I think Alex Centron said like he looked very 
he this was probably one of the best batting practice he has taken. And then I think I saw something about Joe Espada saying he he's perfect right now. Like he looks ready to play baseball. News. So it is great news if you're a Nationals fan to hear that. But at the same time, too, we cannot rush anybody back. Take as much days as you're at. Right now we are at 500. We're 17 and 17 as our record. But like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, it's not going to matter right now. It's going to matter when it gets to, you know, when it gets close to summer and the fall time. So that's all yeah. my take on that. And I feel like the Astros have not been the perfect team this season. Like, if the offense is struggling, the pitching's on, or the starting pitching's on, and the starting pitching's on, the bullpen's off, like, there's always something that is that is leading them to losing games or falling behind and that sort. And I feel with these injured players coming back, the Astros are forming into that last year's team when a 2019 team where they were just a powerhouse and once everybody starts firing on all, on, on all cylinders like that's gonna be a scary team to work with because again how you were saying once bradley comes back he puts in that two hole we have and especially since dusty likes to play in that lefty righty matchup mm-hmm. like we might have tucker in that sixth row like and that's and i'm perfectly fine with that too no, i like no, i love crazy. tucker yeah no but I, like that's just showing how deep this lineup could be. Like, mm-hmm. um, you have Pena seventh, um, Tucker at six, Abreu at fifth, Jordan at fourth, uh, Bregman we'll at third. Be third. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's, it's going to be scary for opponents if they're going to yeah. pitch against the and Astros. I, and I think that's what you know they're they're just missing. And then especially yeah. with these young guys um, stepping up, like you can plug and play any one of these like these guys and. Or someone's off that they pitch hit them, and, and you know you're gonna have a great at bat or a great opportunity to get that hit with that guy on the bench. Like that's gonna be mm-hmm. scary once everything starts to solidify itself. Yeah, because you got to give these shout outs to like Dubon, for instance, holding it down, having that 20 game hitting streak, hitting over 300. Now he's under hitting 300. Like I think he has like a 290 something, 280 something. Corey jokes too. Yeah, he stepped Myers. up big time. Jake Myers, yes. Yeah, so. These guys, these young guys, like you're saying, that are stepping up for the Astros when the veterans are either on, well, they are on the IL. I mean, it's just a big plus sign for the, you know, for the Astros. Especially, and then speaking of veterans that are on the verge of coming back, Les McCullers threw uh, today. <clears throat> Sorry, Les McCullers Jr. threw a bullpen Saturday and apparently hit 90 miles per hour twice. So, which is a good thing to see, mm-hmm. you know, he's been having that, I believe forearm tighten, uh, tightness. I'm yeah. mistaken. Like, so it's just, it's just getting that arm strength back, getting that arm into pitching mode and getting everything ready to start throwing uh, starting games in the major leagues. And then Renault Blanco option to Sugarland. Renault Blanco was option AAA to make room for JP France. And then this is some, some exciting news that you had called before the season even started of Renault Blanco possibly being a starter. Well, it might be a reality now, especially with these injuries to Rikidi and Garcia, because he's going to AAA because he's going to start getting stretched out to become a starter. He will join the Space Cowboys rotation as well. Like, what do you think about this move? I, I love it. If you're an Astros fan, you got to respect it because as of right now, your rotation is Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, JP France and, and then Brandon Belak. So I think really too, if you really think about it, this is like an audition 
Like, this is a challenge. And Dana Brown is, loves challenges. He challenged Forrest Whitley this spring train to, like, this spring train to step up. He challenged Drew Gilbert. These young guns. JP France, it just already made a great impression on Dana Brown, I'm pretty sure. Brandon Bielak hasn't looked bad in his last two starts. This is this was his ninth career start as a starting pitcher for the Astros. So, respect to Bielak. But if the progression doesn't go well for the Astros starting pitchers of France, Bielak, and Ronel Blanco, this is giving the Astros some time to figure out, okay, when it gets to the trade deadline, is our next move going to be for a starting pitcher when we go there, when we get to the deadline. This is just looking at the scenarios of even you, – you can even say Jose or Kitty too because we're not going to know his future from his shoulder discomfort. We're not going to know if the inflammation has gone down in his shoulder because anything dealing with the arm can really be a huge factor for a big injury coming up or, you know, soon to be. So this is kind of giving, the you know, the Astros front office – to see what's the next plan. And if Ronel Blanco is looking good as a starter in Sugarland and then comes into Houston looking dominating, like like he like Christian Javier, for instance, then by all means, just continue doing what you're doing. And and then plus you're gonna have Lance McCullers Jr. come back into the Astros rotation as well. This is basically just challenging everybody, and it's challenging Ronel Blanco because we did see him in spring training as being pushed as a starter, and he looked really good. So I, I think I think it's really good for the Astros and it's really helpful for Ronel Blanco. Yeah. And I, and we also forgot to mention that Jose Kitty's projected back around the all-star breaks. Um, mm-hmm. like, there was no deadline between before or after that's what they said around. But again, like you said, it's uns- like, it's still uncertain because we don't know if the shorter, like the, like the shorter inflammation is going to go down and get worse or stuff like that. But I was gonna add this. Renault Blanco sat in the bullpen. I, I I know we were high on him coming into the season, mm-hmm. but he's been kind of struggling. He, like in nine games, he has 12 innings pitched, a 4.50 ERA, 4.41 batting average on balls in play, and he just hasn't looked like that person that we you know mm-hmm. that we th- thought he would be. So going into the uh, back to AAA, I feel like it could also be a reset for him. Um, and like, maybe instead of like, maybe his mindset was like, you know, I might come in to pitch this game. I might not. So it's just like that focus getting ready. But now that he, he's turned into that starter role, like he knows he's going to go every fifth day and Mm -hmm. it's just a different mindset coming into the game. Yeah. I think it's going to help him as a, as a pitcher overall. I mean, care if it's going to be in the relief role or in the starting role, it's just going to help him become a better pitcher. Just like Javier. I mean, Javier starting the relief role. He did have some good games. He did have some bad games. I mean, it's baseball. It happens. But, you know, hopefully it does help out Ronel Blanco. I mean, the Astros are right now, and we are strong when it comes to our pitching depth. But now it's thinning with these injuries to our Kitty and Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers Jr. Then, you know, knocking on wood right now, nothing happens in the upcoming future because this is in the beginning of the season, dude. Just imagine when we get to the mid part and then the end part of the season for the Astros. So it's going to be difficult just to see how the Astros continue to monitor that situation. And, you know, possibly Ronel Blanco could be that fifth guy for the Astros. So moving on, and we are still staying in the West Coast. We are going to, the Astros are going to Anaheim, and they'll be taking on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And they are really good right now. 19-16, 
second place in the AOS, like you were saying, six and four in their last 10 games. It's going to be a tough competition, I think. And for the key right now for the Angels is everybody's healthy. And that's one thing that the Angels have been like struck through throughout their years, you know, from last year to the other year before that was if Otani can't stay healthy, the Angels aren't going to be good. If Trout, same thing as Rendon. Luckily for them right now, everybody's healthy. Otani's pitching well for them. Trout's hitting, of course, like he is. And then Anthony Rendon is looking like that guy that they were promised of signing when he was a free agent. So Monday, start time is 8.38, which is a really interesting start time. But that is the start time for that game. Hunter Brown is going to be on the mound for the Astros, 3-1 and one with a 2.60 ERA versus Patrick Sandoval, which he's been really good for the Angels as we were talking off air, 3-1 and one with a 2.93 ERA. Brown's last outing, four and a third, four hits, two earned runs, five walks, four strikeouts against the San Francisco Giants at home. He had a career high in walks. And I believe this was his first loss in his career. So that was, you know, all things come to an end. And right there, it was a loss. And he, I mean, it was his first loss in his career. So if you saw that game, his command wasn't there. Curveball wasn't breaking. Fastball just was out of place in his last appearance. What are you looking for coming into this appearance against the Angels? Yeah. So what I'm looking for is how he'll, um, how he recuperate from that. Again, you said he suffered his first loss. You know, it's like, how is he going to bounce back? Um, I feel like him and Yanni or Diaz are going to write up a plan, maybe work with the fastball a little bit. And then once they start thinking a uh, uh, fastball, you bring in that off speed to throw him off. So I'm looking like more of high fastballs and then coming with the off speed, like low in a way. Yeah, I think it'd be good. Uh, I think they have, I'm not really too sure and highly sure about their lineup. I know Zach Nito is a righty, same thing as Trout, Otani's the lefty. I mean, they, they have a variety of hitters going, but I, I'm pretty sure they're projected as a real uh, right-handed heavy team, heavy lineup, I guess you could say. And they're going to be going against Patrick Sandoval, which he's been really good, which I did not think he was doing that good. But, I mean, 293, 3-1, that's pretty pretty good. Five innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, three walks, four strikeouts on his last outing at St. Louis against the Cardinals, which they have been roughed up this whole season, surprisingly. Um, that was a central pick for both of us, and right now they are not doing good, but talk about that later on. Sandoval has a five-pitch arsenal. He has the slider, the changeup, the four-seam, sink, and a curveball. And the top pitch for him is a slider. 30.8% changeup is a 28.5 and four seamer is 26.9. So we're going to see a heavy dosage of them three pitches throughout this whole game, especially that slider. If he loves throwing that, um, I mean, Patrick Sandoval is a lefty. So of course you're looking at your lefties right now, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, which they really hit well against lefties, but righties on the other hand, I'm Cherry Pena. That's, that's one of them we're going to name because we know, that he has struggled in the past against, you know, off-speed pitches, but typically the slider as well. But if you're an Astros fan, you got to be loving this stat coming up. And the Astros have had huge success against Patrick Sadabon in his career going against the Astros. In seven appearances, he is 0-4 with the 803 ERA, 8.03 ERA, 23 strikeouts. So shows you right there in that stat but of course at the same time the Astros offense didn't look well this last outing against Bryce Miller then even Marco Gonzalez Marco Gonzalez didn't didn't do a bad job against the Astros and Marco Gonzalez was one of the guys that the Astros hit really good on but 
Patrick Sandoval looking good, different pitcher this year. So it could be a different outcome for this game on Monday night. And then Tuesday, we got Framber Valdez, 8.38 start time as well. Two and four. Two and four, dude. Framber Valdez is two and four with a 2.60 ERA. That's the shocking part, I say. 2.60 ERA and your record's a two and four. That just shows that the offense isn't giving him enough run support. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, And then it's not going to be any. (laughs) He might have the challenge (laughs) as well with Shohei Otani being on the bump for the Angels. Four and no with a 2.54 ERA. And Valdez's last outing versus San Francisco wasn't bad at all. Six innings pitch, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. I mean, you're thinking right there in the top of your head. Wow, that's a good outing. I don't understand how the Astros did not get him the win. And that was a loss on his part right there because the offense wasn't there. I think Logan Webb was pitching that game. And like I said, I mean, when you got good starting pitchers going on the other end, you just tip your cap and just say, hey, that's it. You know, it's baseball. But Framber, on the other hand, has six consecutive quality starts. He's starting that quality start tour again, just like he was doing last year for the Astros. Everybody giving that a bobblehead. (laughs) Maybe, maybe they will. But Valdez, this was an interesting stat I had to dig. He has lost back-to-back games in his last two appearances on the bump. The last time he has lost back-to-back games, you have to go back to July 11th and the 15th of 2019. Wow. 2019, four years ago. That was the last time he suffered back-to-back loss. So it's very interesting to see that because, of course, his consistency is looking great throughout of last year. And I was I thought it would have been 2021 because he wasn't perfect like he was in 2022. 2019, that's pretty outstanding and pretty remarkable. And it just shows that, you know, he's consistent, even though through the bad times in 2019, 2020, 20. Well, actually, 2020, he did really good for the Astros because he was that number one guy for them in the COVID year. But Angels ranked 27 in the league to hit into ground ball double plays. And you're king right there is Framber Valdez. He is the ground ball king when it comes to, you know, when the Astros need a ground ball in a situation of a runner on first or two outs, runners on second and third, who who's going to be that guy? And it's usually Framber Valdez that gets the Astros that ground ball. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see that coming into play against, you know, the Angels that don't hit into a lot of ground ball double plays. Then you got Shohei Otani on the other hand. His last outing at St. Louis, five innings pitch, five hits, four and runs, one walk, 13 strikeouts. He did receive the loss on that with 13 strikeouts. So, wow, that, that is very interesting to see. And his last two appearances, it hasn't been better for him at all. At all. 11 innings pitch, eight hits, nine earned runs, three walks, 21 strikeouts. That other opponent that he faced was the Oakland Athletics. So if you think about it, I mean, the Oakland A's aren't doing a good job. If you could really tell, if you look on social media and <laughs> everywhere else, you're seeing the low attendance out there in Oakland. And then, you know, St. Louis right now, I believe they are the the last team in the National League, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they are. So I mean, they haven't, he hasn't pitched good against those teams. But surprisingly for him, you know, the fastballs that, number one pitch he goes to to strike batters out and you know try to get a big big out some way somehow you know right and just blow it right past him well the breaking pitches are a factor for him this year in 2022 he threw his breaking pitches and i'll tell you what pitches he threw was 26.2 percent in 2023 
and in, and you know it's a little bit i would say a mid to huge increase 31.5% in 2023 and then breakaway pitches are going to be the slider the sweeper the curve the knuckle and the slurve and i was looking at this guy's arsenal dude <laughs> he has a lot of pitches I yeah mean, i was just like a for- he has a fork ball he has a screwball he has a changeup and then you got the four seamer the two seamer i mean a unicorn i'm telling you he is rare he is rare to have a guy pitch and hit at the same time since Babe Ruth. Of course, you know, if, in our age, we didn't get to see Babe Ruth play at all. But, I mean, it just shows you right there how good Shohei Otani is. And that's pitching-wise. I mean, he's 4-0. and And that was a guy that I believe that he could possibly win the Cy Young this year. He was so close, I believe, what, two years ago or just this past year. Yeah, I mean, he was very close to winning that, um, you know, that Cy Young award. But that put-away pitch... It's still going to be the fastball. I mean, if you could throw 102, 101, 103, basically over 100, that's going to be your pitch on a 1 2 0 2, 3 2 2 2 count, some way, somehow. Anybody has two strikes, he's going to try to find a way to throw a fastball right by you. So, Angel, what's going to be the key for the for the Astros hitters to, you know, go against this guy that's been dominating really in the American League? I would say work, work the counts. Um, someone who throws this much pitches, like, Otani, like usually command is kind of a factor, and Otani's good. Like he gets those strikeout numbers, but he also throws a lot of pitches. Mm-hmm. And if we can get him early, you know, work some walks, um, or even just like um, wait for that fastball to come, get get him out of the game early. I think the Astros s- set themselves up for success. Like how you were saying, like he has walked, he walked three in his last two appearances, but has some more strikeouts. But they've been hitting him, so his like his mm-hmm. stuff hasn't been. That efficient lately, so I'll say work the count or look, look for a mistake and t- and uh, and I'll take advantage of that. Yeah, maybe the Astros are going to have to give a call to Oakland and St. Louis and say, hey, what's this counter report on this guy? Because y'all did pretty good against them, and the Astros are just trying to find a way to collect a win because if you, know, you see right now they lost back-to-back games in Seattle, and they could be possibly riding a three-game losing streak on Monday night. But moving on to Wednesday, we got Christian Javier, 307 start time. The Astros have him with a 2-1 record and a 3.54 ERA. And right now the Angels are to be determined on who they're going to throw out for their starting pitcher. So we'll just go with Christian Javier and we'll talk about him. Last outing at St. Louis, I mean not St. Louis, Seattle, like you were saying, seven innings pitched, three hits, three earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. He did a really good job getting those Seattle Mariners hitters, getting them off balance. Like you're saying, the fastball command was there, and that's what you had said last episode too, is if we're going to see that command – And we're going to see that fastball, you know, because that's been his pitch to put away some hitters. And that's what he did. So this is another positive note. If you're a Nationals fan, great numbers against the Angels throughout his career. In eight appearances, he's three and one with a 259 ERA and 52 strikeouts. And the Angels, of course, have some hitters to be known that are striking out. Of course, Mike Trout, even though he is one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball, he's going to have some strikeout days. Same thing as Anthony Rendon. I think David Fletcher is going to be a big one for the Angels because of his contact rate. And he, I mean, he works the count really well out of anybody in that lineup, I'd say. But another interesting stat from Christian Javier. And I was looking at this when he was pitching at Seattle on Friday night. The first time through the lineup, he has a 225 ERA. So that is a pretty good, you know, ERA for a starting pitcher. Second time through the lineup in 2022, he had a 2.01 ERA. In 23, second time through the lineup, 
a 420 ERA. Third time through the lineup in 2022, 434. And we're in 2023, 466 ERA. So it just shows right there that I'm bringing you to these stats. So when he's second time through the lineup, I mean, these, these hitters are knowing what's going to be coming at him or what's the breakdown on what pitches he's going to throw, what situations does he like to go with this pitch, what situations he likes to go with this pitch as well. It just depends on you know how the scouting report looks on him. Even the hitting coaches on the other side are looking at him. And when you see the you know that that stat with the ERA with the 466 ERA, third time through the lineup, that just shows that he's gonna give you only about five or six innings, which is crazy because he could be stretched out really to seven and he could be stretched out really to eight as well. So my question to you. Can this change throughout the season? If we saw that in 2022, he had a 201 ERA. Right now, he has a 420. And same thing as the third, you know, through the lineup. Can we see that change for the Astros in this season? I believe so. Um, what he would what he would have to do is work more his, of his pitches. Like, he's been needing fastball slider. But, like, throwing more change-ups. Because especially since that, you know, since hitters. What it looks like to me is that hitters are more aggressive on that fastball later in the inning. So if you mix up some change-ups there, you know, deceive them a little bit, I think I could bring that down. But it could either be two things. Either he needs to mix up his pitches more or that velocity. Like, like we've been on that velocity all yeah. season that it's been down. And, like, I feel like guys are looking at it, you know, like their first about is like, all right, I got this in second bat. Like, they're just timing it. So yeah. it can be two of the things. But I feel like if you just make some adjustments, I think uh, that can change. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see like his um the command and like what pitches he goes to in them second, you know, second through the order, third through the order. I mean, because I mean he has good stuff. Javier has good stuff, but to see that, that was a shocker. I didn't like, think yeah. Christian Javier was gonna have a four sixty six ERA through, you know, third time through the lineup. So like you said, maybe some adjustments that the pitching coaches have to look at. Maybe, you know, even for Christian Javier himself, he's gonna have to find a way to, you know, pitch through that that lineup. Because you got to save your bullpen. You don't want to tax their arms too much. And that's going to be a huge, huge concern for the Astros if he can't figure that out. Yeah. And you just named some great pitching matchups like um, Framber with Otani and um, Hunter Brown with Patrick Sandoval. It's going to be some, it might be some low scoring games, some quick games, especially with that pitch clock. But moving on to the Angels' hottest hitter. Slash pitcher again, it's like you were saying the unicorn <laughs> Shohei Otani does it all. Um, his last seven games, he's 10 for 28. He has a 357 batting average, one home run, three RBIs, five walks, two stolen bases, and he can still base. It's five two player, my six gosh. two player, basically six with, that, two. <laughs> with that pitching. Um, crazy, it's, it's crazy that Otani is, is top, ten, top 10 only in hits. Pitching on the yeah. other hand, he has a bunch of top 10 categories, so hitting wise, he hasn't been as efficient as he has, but I think he could easily turn the page. Like you still have to give him the respect he deserves on that end. Cause he can easily take you, take a moonshot and drop it off in Dodger stadium, you know, cause that's how far he hits him. Remember but, he's going to, he's going to be a free agent, he, possibly a free agent this you know coming, this coming year, man. That, so. that oxy pants that the Astros have and that big ass sign in the back, <laughs> that's, that's all money saying for Otani. Like Oxy, Oxy is gonna sign Otani <laughs> some way. Some well, they gotta get Tucker first. I, I would love to see the Astros sign Kyle Tucker to that ten-year deal. 
I would yeah. I, I think that'd be helpful, but we're getting off topic on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's time for my favorite segment, offensive pitching MVPs and our hot take. And I really scooped the boots on this one. And I only had Christian Javier had a great great outing on that one. So he got me that one, one for three. Jose Abreu got like one or two hits in the series and Astros I said the Astros will out hit the Mariners. Well, the Mariners out hit the Astros thirty one to twenty two. So not not too good. But my my new picks are my offensive MP Corey Jokes. We've been like I feel like there was a high on Corey Jokes. Like he started hitting in Minimum Park and it was like, oh jokes. But now we've seen kind of like people aren't talking about him enough anymore. So I want to see that happening. So I say Joke steps up, creates more movement in that bottom of the lineup, especially since Maldi hasn't been so great offensively. So I think he'll carry the slack down there. And I'm going to ride with Javier again. Christian Javier is oh, wow. bouncing back. I went back-to-back. Um, great audience from him. And my hot take is Marisa Dubon gets a hit in every game. So the reason for this is because after Marisa Dubon um, – Lost his 20-game hitting streak. He's been kind of struggling. He's 6 for 34, which is an average of 176. And he was, and when he was in his 20-game hitting streak, he was batting above 300. Now he's below 300. He's, he's at yeah. 287 right now. So mm. especially being top of the lineup, the leadoff guy is the table setter. He gets on base yeah. no matter if it's walk, hit. But if we can get him on, like, again, how we've been, like, saying this whole podcast so far is we need to give – Jordan Alvarez RBI situations like he's been the most consistent hitter so far this season and he hits lefties righties and just giving them those opportunities for a sack fly or a single that you know that scores a guy from second base like that's crucial so if Dubon can get on in the top of the lineup that says that puts the Astros in a good position to win games yeah I mean like we were saying earlier through the show I mean Dubon really hasn't been Dubon after that 20 game hitting streak. I don't know if he needs to play a little bit more domino games with Alvarez or find somebody to play with, you know, because dominoes is a great game to play. Actually, if you haven't played dominoes, it's, it's really fun, especially if you put money, of course, you can, the Astros are going to put money no matter what for the players, not, not the organization, but um, yeah, Dubon could figure it out and try to get on some way, somehow. I feel like he's a little bit over aggressive. Like, you know, Altuve is when he's in the box, that first pitch, bam, he already wants to swing the bat. There's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, too, it has to be a good pitch. You can't swing a, you can't swing a slider on a OO count as your first pitch. And what's like saying? We, go we, ahead. We, we do not promote gambling on full seam. No, we do not. We do not. We do not. But I'm just saying. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, it's I a fun game. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. I'm not gonna say nothing else but that. But let's go with mine. I, I think Kyle Tucker, like I said, my offensive MP hit Brian Abreu. No, I don't think I wouldn't. I would say yes, but at the same time, too, the first, the first game he allowed a run, which tied the game. So I don't think I wouldn't count that. He got the win. Success. No, I wouldn't really count that. Actually, got the side in the third game. I'll go middle on that. I'll give half a point. I'll give half a point on that, actually. Nah, there's no half a point. I, I, you, get it, you, don't. you gotta go half a point on that. I mean, how are you gonna say, oh, you had a good success after I'm, your first game of giving up a run, which was the tie and run? All right. I was giving that, you the point, but if you don't want I know, it, I know. I, I, I gotta it. go half. I gotta no, go half. Nah, I don't take you. it. 
<laughs> no, it's a, it's a half. It's a point five. So, um, yeah, I got that for Brian Abreu. Then my hot take was Bregman hitting over 300 this series with a Bregman bomb, but it did not happen. Uh, Bregman struggled at the plate. I think he's lost in the sauce right now. Yeah, he, he's very lost in the sauce, especially in that Bregman sauce of the barbecue or the sauce or anything like that that he has in his Bregman bomb. I don't know what you would call it, promotion. But it's a new, like we always say, it's a new it's a new day, new series. I got Jerry Pena. I think Jeremy Pena is going to have some success going over there into Anaheim because if you remember, he had his first home run. His first career home run was over there in Anaheim. So I think he'll love being back over there in the West Coast. And then my pitching MVP is going to be Hunter Brown. I think Hunter Brown is going to have a fantastic outing, a bounce-back outing, I would say, because that wasn't Hunter Brown over there against San, uh, San Francisco. Five walks, that doesn't sound like him. He doesn't give up a lot of walks. It's more of the strikeouts on his end. So I think it's a good test for him against this Angels offense and, of course, going against Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, you know, two of the best hitters in Major League Baseball this year and really, you know, for the past two or three years. My hot take. Like I said, who hit their first career home run over there? Their first major league home run at Anaheim, and that's Jerry Pena. So I think we're going to see a Jalapeno popper out there, and it's going to be launched into the rocks over there. You know where the waterfall is over there in like left center field? It's going to be launched over there at Angel Stadium. So that is my hot take. There are my MVPs. I feel very confident going into this series to seeing the Astros and our takes, you know, do good. Yep, so that is all for Astros updates and roundup. Now it's time for around the league. So baseball's filled with rivalries, the Yankees, Red Sox. You could even say Astros, Rangers, or if you watch the Astros baseball, Rangers, uh, Cardinals. I mean, apparently Seattle is stepping up as the rival now. Okay, so Astros (laughs) and Mariners, um, Dodgers and Giants, well, the Dodgers – and San Diego Padres rivalry is definitely brewing. So they're playing this series. Like they're actually still playing on um there's they, they played last night on ESPN and while we're recording this, the Dodgers have came back on the Padres five two. Mm-hmm. And that's after the San Diego Padres, when they won the first game, they put a crying curse out celebration after the game. And my opinion is I feel like whenever you're going to do that, it's always the wrong time because it just puts a chip on the opponent's shoulder. Like, they're like, you see this? Like, let's go out there and beat these guys. That's what my mindset would be like, you know, they want to play around. What are they going to find out, you know? So what are your thoughts on that? I think, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like I believe in karma, dude. I Like, I actually believe in karma because, I mean – if Yankee fans had said about Houston, the Astros and cheating and all this stuff, and we won Houston, you saw how that played out for the Astros at the end. Same thing, you know, it goes back from 2017, 2019, all them times we played the Yankees in the, uh, the, the Astros played the Yankees in the playoffs. And for the Padres to do that, I was shocked. I was honestly shocked. I never, I, I thought it was a meme, actually. I didn't think it was real. I thought somebody like actually like just put a curse shot onto the video board. So but I felt like it was too much. Like, it, I don't think you should be doing that at that time. Maybe if you did that last year when you knocked the Dodgers out of the playoffs, possibly, yeah, I, I could see that. But I think, like you were saying, it's just not 
at the right time to do right now because it's yeah. still early in the season. You're still rivals. And then, of course, when you go to Dodger Stadium, they'll do something. I'm pretty sure because if you remember when the Astros had traveled to Dodger Stadium, they played uh, on the – what's that instrument? The uh, It's not a – the organ. The organ, yeah. They played um, I saw the I saw the sign or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that seeing that on uh, social media. And of course, you know, if you're fans of another team, you're not going to like that. I know Dodger fans, I'm pretty sure didn't like that. And of course, send social media on fire. And then even like you're saying, it puts a chip on the other opponent's shoulder. And like you're saying right now, the score's five five to two. I mean, I think the Dodgers are like you said, they're just going to play with the chip on their shoulder throughout the whole season. Yeah, it definitely has you playing baseball with some rage and you want to just want to destroy the opponent for sure. But again, the Dodgers and Padres are NL um, West rivals and they're going to see each other a lot in San Diego and LA and now possibly South Korea. So the NL West rivals are planning to open up the 2024 season with the first MLB games played in South Korea. So I think is it set in stone already, or is it still like being worked around? I think they're planning it still. Okay, I, I think so. Uh, what I'll be interesting to see, especially like again, baseball has been trying to get you know be be global, be international, and yeah, that'd be pretty good over there. I, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. I think and it's I'm, good. And, and I'm calling it now. I feel like in a new future, MLB is gonna be going to Japan soon. I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe um, even in Europe. You know, just to expand. Like, well, they like, already did Europe. You, you they did. Uh, oh London. yeah, the, the London. I, I could see Australia being a possible. That's one. that's a good one too. That I feel like that's a possible one. But I like what they're doing, bringing baseball, MLB baseball, to South Korea. Um, I think it was good because if you looked at the MLB, um, not MLB, the WBC, the first game was Cuba and I think Korea. I'm not too sure, but it was a great turnout over there, seeing all the fans, you know, supporting the team. And the venue out there and the fan support, the audience, I mean, it looked fascinating to be a part of. So I think it'd be great for the game of baseball. I mean, they already did Mexico City. They're going to do Mexico again next year for the Astros and the Rockies. To do another one outside of the United States and being in South Korea, I think it's I think it's great for the game. I oh, yeah, do. Definitely. And, you know, baseball doing some good things and expanding and getting everybody involved. But we did have a scary situation down with the Royals, Ryan Yarbrough, former Tampa Bay Rays, was hit by a 106-mile-per-hour hit in the head. Like, it was a scary situation. He fell to the ground immediately. Um, Salvador Perez finished the play, but as soon as the first baseman caught it, he ran straight to the pitcher's um, mound to check on his uh, teammate. He had to be helped off the field. It wasn't with a stretcher. I mean, he was kind of like walking, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he was feeling dizzy. So he had his... Yeah, he had his uh, arms around his uh, uh, coaching staff, and they walked him to the dugout. Um, we haven't heard any word from yet, but I'm I'm assuming it's a concussion for sure. He's probably gonna be out for. He, he'll definitely, I think, miss his first, like his next start, possibly even two. But a sad day for baseball. Vita Blue sadly passes away. Blue was a baseball legend. He was a MVP, Cy Young winner. He was a six-time All-Star and won three World Series with the Oakland A's. Dusty Baker, the Astros uh, manager, actually had been talking with Blue in the recent months, and 
he knew when he he knew something was wrong when he didn't answer the phone in the last I think it was last week wow. or a few weeks ago. So, you know, uh, rest in peace, my condolences uh, to his, um, his family and his wife and everybody that is that has known Blue um, personally. Yeah, uh, that's a big shocker to the world of baseball because out of Blue, I'm looking at his age right now. He didn't look really. If you look at any of his pictures right now, like, in the, you know, in the current present time, he didn't look old. And he died at, I think, 73 is not a bad, you know, I feel like it's a young age still. Yeah, Dusty Baker's around that age, you know? Yeah, so uh, that's very shocking. I'm, you know, like you said, condolences and, you know, sad to hear that, that you know, the baseball world's probably mourning. Um, Dallas Braden had put a picture out showing Kauffman Stadium, the KC um, – the video board had a Vita Blue picture of him pitching. And, of course, you know, the year he was born, the year, you know, 2023, he had passed. And it's, it's shocking, man. It, it's it's unfortunate. It sucks. I just saw Reggie Jackson's documentary, you know, the Reggie one on Amazon Prime. And Vita Blue was a part of the documentary with Dave Stewart and Reggie Jackson talking about them years that they played and won three World Series with Oakland Athletics at that time. And Vita Blue was a big, huge part of the A's success in them years in the seventies. So it's very unfortunate, very sad. Um, yes. Big loss for the baseball world as in once, but that is all for today's show. Continue on to follow us at full seam ahead on Twitter and at TikTok. subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We're still bringing this out. It's still new. And of course the platforms that we always have, Google podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you name it. We're there. Andrew, you got any last words before we sign off? No, thank you for joining us, and I know this is uh, just under an hour, but, you know, thank you for hearing us out, and we appreciate you. Give us some likes, comments, reviews, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sh- shout us out. Yeah, shout us out. Leave us a review. Leave us a rate. Um, I wonder if we had a pitch clock, how this would work. I, I, <laughs> that'd be so fun to do one day, but as terrible. of now, yeah, it would be terrible. I think we'd be called out all, every time. But that is all for today's show. Y'all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you in the conclusion of the Anaheim Angels series. Peace. See you guys.